Welcome, everybody, to the Nothing But Bull podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and I'm here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's going on? Nothing much. What's going on, Bull Nation? It's been a while. Uh, If you notice, the Bulls released a hype video talking about it's been nine months since they've been away from active competition, but they came out flat yesterday. Wait, they released a hype video? Oh, you didn't see it? No. <laughs> they, they released a hype video with Stacey King narrating. And you no, know, the main point was it's been nine months since they've been away from the game that they love. It's a new front office, new era in Chicago. And, you know, it's Christmas Eve, but they did not give us a Christmas present yesterday because they came out flat and fell to the Hawks by, what, 20 points? Uh, you know what? I, I, it was 20 points, but I, I honestly stopped um, looking at the scoreboard <laughs> when they got up to 40. Uh, but, you know, um, I, I did I did see I was looking really to see if there was any improvement from any of the units that came up and, and were on the court at any time once the starters came out. So. Yeah, they, they really I, – I was surprised they put out a hype video before this game. I, I thought maybe they would do it for, like, the the uh, opener, the home opener. Um, just, uh, you know, wait to see what kind of team they actually had <laughs> that was coming back. But that's just me. I'm like, well, that, that was the home opener because they did play at the UC. Where did they play? At? I thought they were playing at – Atlanta this whole entire time. And uh, they were in Chicago. <laughs> oh, goodness. That was... The... <laughs> that makes me feel any worse. <laughs> I thought I kept hearing throughout the whole entire um, game, like, cheers for the Hawks players. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. It's like, oh, okay. So, man, that was our home opener. Well, well that, was, that fell flat, to say the least. It, that felt very flat. I mean... The defense was terrible, it, pretty much non-existent. Um, you know, Zach was Zach. Larry looked good. Patrick Williams, who's 19 years old, starting his very first NBA regular season game, looked good. But the rest of the team just really didn't show up. Yeah, and, you know, it's – it was a lot to take in just seeing how flat this team came out uh, for their first game. Um, and I, I honestly found myself, you know, screaming at the TV for the first two quarters, but then, you know, a, a, just a gentle uh, calmness came over me because I, I thought back to what this season really is about. It's, it's not about trying to, get into the playoffs this year. This season really is about who's going to be on this team going forward. <laughs> so I, I'm getting – just thinking about that and thinking about how, you know, we're getting a chance to see guys actually trying to compete for having a spot on this team moving forward. That just brought me down like 100 from where I was <laughs> <laughs> while watching the game. Because, like, we're, you know, obviously the team has a lot of kinks that they need to work out with a a new coaching staff without having a preseason, not really having any practices that were worthwhile. And um, just knowing that they were off for, for what was it, eight to nine months, you knew there was going to be some rust coming into their particular first game. Um, and also, they, they didn't have any real momentum that they would have been building off of from not being in the bubble. So I, I kind of thought, well, you know, they were going to be shaky for the first few games as they try to figure it out. I mean, well, they had four preseason games to get ready. Yeah, but preseason games, I mean, without having, you know, that off season to really work on their identity as a team. Like, 
you think about it, those preseason games, you're just really trying to get your legs under you, practicing going back and forth, up and down the court. So the, the one thing that I was really disappointed in was not, it didn't have anything to do with marketing. It was really just Wendell Carter and his effort. And he, he even alluded to that when he, uh, with his post-game comments, how the effort for himself wasn't really there. And, you know, in year three, I talked about this uh, before, in year three, that, that's when you really are supposed to see a player make a big jump. Because, you know, the first year they're coming in raw, so that's just your raw talent. The second year, you're, the league is, you know, trying to figure you out, and you're trying to figure out the league. But by year three, that's when we see is a player going to be a solid rotation player? Are they going to be a star? Or do they really just not belong on the court? And just seeing that with Wendell, with, you know, he's not a good three-point shooter by any means. <laughs> um, and I don't know what the deal is with them trying to extend his range when really from a basketball standpoint, as a big man, you should be trying to work from the inside and slowly work your game to the outside. But there was a telling moment for me in that blowout loss last night. They were down by 32 points, and it was in the fourth quarter. It was about six minutes left. And Wendell had established post position. He was about six or seven feet from the basket. He got the ball, and he immediately threw it back out. <laughs> didn't try to go up with his shot. Didn't have the confidence to look for his shot. He just passed it right out. And I'm like, even with 32 minutes, or not 32, um, 32 minutes, but even with, with 30, down 32 points, you still weren't looking to contribute from the offensive end. It was just really telling for me. Yeah, I mean, that's been Wendell's problem that we talked about, like, for a couple of years now, is where he doesn't even look at the basket for his own offense. And now they're trying to, you know, extend his range. So he's getting these open threes, but uh, he he's a bit hesitant to shoot him. He's not shooting them with confidence. So they're breaking out. Then he just starts passing up everything. And, you know, I, I've been really disappointed with the way he's been playing even through the preseason. He doesn't look like what we thought Wendell Carter would be. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter say he's uh, a tanned Omer Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that's cutting the legs off of a man, <laughs> really, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really, it's disappointing because from my standpoint, I thought that Wendell would have been at this point a solid 15 and 10 guy. You know, um, maybe he, he didn't have the, um, the outside shot extended to the three-point line, but I expected him to make like a jump that was similar to uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis is a force on the inside and then you see like he has slowly developed his way to shooting three-pointers now I didn't think the three-pointers would be necessarily something that would be in Wendell's repertoire but I thought okay this is a guy he's a little bit undersized but he can establish position in the post he has a hook shot that we saw in his first year and somewhat in his second year he hasn't developed that really. Um, he hasn't developed really a mid-range game. And, you know, his rebounding has increased uh, from his first year up until his second year, even though he only had six rebounds last night. But you've really seen his assist rate has dropped and his block, his blocking um, percentage has also dropped. So, yeah, I, I really just don't know what to make of Wendell other than the fact of he not he might just not be that guy that we thought he was capable of being. 
Right. I mean, you know, he, he got a lot of comparisons to, well, he, his game should be similar to Al Horford's or yeah, uh, he's an underrated passer and should be re- used as a release valve, sort of like a point center Joaquin Noah-esque uh, plays for him to like set up his teammates. And we thought with Billy Donovan coming in as the new coach that this would be the perfect style of play for Wendell to exceed and you know they talked about letting him play make and putting the ball in his hands a little bit more but he he just doesn't have any confidence to anything that he's doing out there and it's really perplexing because you know he he looked like he could be an Al Horford type player his first year or so but now it's like we don't know what we have in Wendell um the Bulls did pick up his rookie uh, contract extension, but you know they were able to get that done with Wendell. But more importantly, a guy like Laurie Marketing, who you're suppo- he's supposed to be one of your main players, they couldn't reach an extension on his contract. So you know he's going to be a restricted free agent come at the end of the season. Well, it's I mean, kind of go ahead. It's kind of like that uh, that Jimmy Butler situation where they tried to, you know, extend him. He bet on himself and he earned a lot more money. You know, are we going to see that same thing play out with Laurie? Do they pay Laurie um, if he, you know, proves that he should get this money, or if somebody come in and give him such a big offer with, you know, that? the new front office just lets them walk and hope that they can attract a superstar with all the money that we're going to have next off season. Well, I mean, the, the situation with like attracting a superstar, like we've already seen how the, the a good amount of the superstars who were supposed to be part of that free agency class have re-signed up with their team. So, you know, there really isn't, that many um, big time free agents is, is not going to be as um, dramatic as we thought it was going to be because the, a lot of those players are just off the market. And there's the question of whether or not um, with Lori uh, Markinen, you know, if those guys have, are not on the market, well, does that help his appeal moving forward uh, with other teams? And I really think like with, Lori, it has to come down to what he, like, is he being true to himself? You know, like, is he going to be one of those guys who lands a big time free agent, um, you know, signing sheet and just disappears from the league after he signs that, that offer sheet? Or is he going to be someone who goes to a team that really is going to put him in a situation to be successful. I think the Bulls have that situation kind of set up for him with this particular team because he doesn't really need to be a first or a second option. Or if he's going to be a second option, really on the Bulls team, that that can go between him and Kobe White. So, like, I think a situation for where his game is at right now is really as a third option. Now, the – the problem is with the Bulls, do you want to be paying a third option, you know, $18 million per year, especially when you're not contending? Like that's where the um, the puzzle really, really comes out. I think Lori's game can be salvageable in this particular lineup if he's playing also with an effective big. Like that's why the two um, – like the, the, the career arc of Wendell and Lori can really go together because while Lori is not that good of a defender, we were expecting Wendell to pick up the slack in that department. Lori is not a post player or a post threat, even though he could be a little bit. Um, that's something that I would have expected Wendell to kind of take the reins and go forward with. So like really like their, their careers really have been tied to each other because we expected so many so many great things from them and they really offset a lot 
of their deficiencies. Um, so like the Bulls have a big conundrum on their hands. Like, do we offer Lori 18 to 20 million per year, which is really, I mean, isn't that in the same range as what Zach is making, like 20 million a year? Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, we see Zach and we see the kind of player he's turned himself into. Like, do you think that Lori really has that in him to become that type of player? That's a good question. You know, we we've talked about Laurie's lack of aggression, uh, you know, throughout the years. Uh, he looked pretty good last night. You know, a lot of people were hoping that it was kind of the scheme um, last year from you know Jim Boylan when he was the coach. Uh, don't worry, I will never bring Jim Boylan up ever again after this episode. But <laughs> Um, well, you you can't no. because I you know part of their regression has to be somewhat tied to Jim Boylan, but like uh, also definitely. you know I, I can't put that all on Boylan because you know he's going to try to put as any coach is is going to try to put your players in the best position that you think that they can succeed. Now that comes down to the coaching staff, but really that's. That's in, that's also mostly on the player. I mean, we expect these big things from these players because they need to go out and make sure that they're adding something to their game year after year. And I know that marketing and Wendell haven't been in the league that long, but it's really it's put up or shut up time, you know, for them because they're coming up on their those extensions. Like marketing is going to be a free agent, so. Up until this point, though, they really haven't proven that much throughout their career. They haven't taken off as we've expected. Right. Uh, you know, one guy that's been really intriguing is you know, Kobe White. Um, he's, you know, a fire starter at times where he's knocking everything down. But, you know, so last night, his shot wasn't going for him. And you know, he's still got to be able to set guys up and get the players where they're supposed to be. Um, he still has seven assists, but, you know, it's pretty telling that after the game, Billy Donovan, he commented on Kobe and said he has to play well in terms of leading and organizing and getting our guys in the right spot. He said that's still, you know, Kobe's learning curve. You know, I know it's only his second year, but it's already, always been talk of, you know, is he a two or can he play the point? I mean, that's a good question. And we we know like his shot wasn't falling yesterday. Like he, he totally looked out of sync um, because his shot wasn't falling. He, he was, he was being like overly aggressive at some points where he was driving into the lane and just getting deep in the lane and just making poor decisions while he was doing that. Uh, in my opinion, I thought he was just getting a little too deep in the lane because he was setting himself up in situations that he couldn't really get out of. Um, I think that Kobe can be a facilitator, but you're asking a lot of a guy who was known as a scorer all throughout his high school and college, just the one year of college. So for him to make that tra transition um, it's going to be a little bit tough. But however, you know, a lot of this has to go on the big man. We keep saying how the, um, the big man, they need somebody who can come up and put them in their spots that they're comfortable with. But when I see um, Wendell not trying to establish any post position, you know, that gets me a little perturbed because just by a big man running up and down the court, your point guard should expect at least two to three assists from you just running up and down the court. And even it goes back to like aggression from this standpoint, how many times have you seen Wendell Carter racing down the court to get in position? <laughs> Not many. Yeah. Same thing with Lori. These guys are, you know, at the most 23 years old, they should be, if, if their, if their shots not falling, they should at least be beating their man 
up and down the court on a nightly basis. That's, you know, you have to set up easy targets for your point guard to be able to, you know, make the easy play, make the easy read once you're in your position. But the guys, they don't really show any effort in being that type of player that's going to give it his all running up and down the court. Like the last time we saw a big who was doing that, that was Joaquin Noah. And when's the last time Noah has played on this team? Hmm. When's the last time that another one was Gibson? When's the last time those players have played on that team? So, you know, just simple things like that are going to put Kobe in a position where he can be comfortable. But I think another reason why it's tough on Kobe, because not only are you asking him to transition into becoming that facilitator to set up other teams, he's got other uh, players, he's got to go out on a nightly basis and play arguably the toughest position in all of basketball. There are great point guards all throughout the league. There are very good point guards in the league. So to ask him to become that facilitator and yet also be that guy on defense who's going to pick up those um, other point guards and guard them up and down the court, like that's a lot to, to ask of Kobe, especially with him being such a young player. It's one of the reasons why I thought a lot, like why didn't we hang on to, to uh, Dunn? Why didn't we hang on to, to uh, Shaq? one of those guys who could take some of that pressure off. And even looking back at the contracts that those guys did sign, they weren't for that much. So it was, you know, it's pretty, pretty interesting that they didn't sign one of those guys, help take some pressure off of, off of um, Kobe. Well, I mean, I can understand that re-sign it done because, you know, he's he's still injured and he didn't play last night for the Hawks. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I think they were betting on um, Staderansky and, you know, Garrett Temple, who they signed to kind of play that kind of defensive player that can, you know, help Kobe with the point guard assignments. Um of course, Neaver was available last night because uh, Temple had coronavirus and he went through the NBA protocol, self-isolation for that. Um, Noah Vanola, who the Bulls had on their preseason roster, had contacted coronavirus and, you know, Stadarensi was in contact with him. So he had to go through a self-isolationist too. So he hadn't practiced. So and I, I think they're betting on, you know, one of those guys being able to help out Kobe, whether it's Temple with his defense or, you know, playing for a little bit, Staderansky at the one and Kobe at the two and just, you know, letting Kobe focus on scoring some. I think that was kind of the decision-making and letting uh, both Dunn and Shaq walk. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. But to me, like, Sadoransky is more of a versatile guy who can guard. He can guard some point guards, but I, I think, you know, he'd it'd be more. He'd be more conducive to guarding maybe a two or a three. Like I don't know if Sadoransky is really that type of player that's going to check those smaller, speedier guards. You know, throughout the game, I mean, we'll see because like they haven't in, in a. Again, they haven't had that time together to uh, build that chemistry. But, you know, I, I just never figured Sadoransky to be that defensive stopper uh, for the point guard position that this, this team really, really needs. They have a lot of holes on defense. And, um, you know, they're lacking those players who can, can check point guards, in my opinion. Yes, they started out uh... – Zach or Trey Young last night. Who was that? They started Zach uh, guarding Trey Young last night. Yeah, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> you know, Zach. Like, Zach's how many been fouls to... did Zach have? Like before he was in foul trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're. 
they're trying to Zach's been trying to improve on the defensive end. He's looked better on that in in the preseason. But, you know, putting him on Trey Young was just kind of asking for the worst. Yeah, and they sure got it. I mean <laughs> I mean also like, you know, I know the Hawks have an incredible shooting night. They're not going to shoot like that every single night. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. But um, the Bulls didn't do themselves any favors by, by bringing that poor defensive effort that they brought. So we shall see if it all irons out. When's their next game? It's like on Saturday, right? Yes. Um, Bring it up right now. It is, yep, Saturday against the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. So, you know, gives them some time to recharge and get their heads together to at least, you know, because in the preseason they had some clunkers, but they also had some some better defensive efforts throughout the preseason, especially from their younger guys. Um, so, you know, it, I'm sure it's a, a work in progress trying to figure out what their identity is going to be going forward. So we shall see. Speaking of younger guys, the youngest player to ever start for a Chicago Bulls game, 19-year-old Patrick Williams, fourth pick. I mean, he, he looks he looks pretty good. He looks comfortable out there with the starters. But, you know, what do you make of – you know, him coming in and taking that starting spot from Otto Porter, who's in a contract year. Um, well, let me say this first. Like, I didn't know anything about uh, T. Will when coming into the draft. I didn't, you know, who was watching NCAA basketball? Like, I, I don't know, like – in my, my own opinion, I, I, I don't watch those guys because, you know, they play and then they come out after a year. It's like you don't build that that rapport as far as, like, who's going to be the next big college star. Um, and we even see with him, like, this was his first time starting since, what, um, high school? High school. So, yep. you know, I didn't know anything about Patrick Williams. Um but they kept saying how he had that versatility to guard uh, multiple positions. He had some ball handling skills. And, you know, more importantly than that, he had an actual shot. Like, he could actually put the ball in the hoop. So I really didn't expect much out of him. Even with him being the number four pick, I was like, okay, like, we'll see what happens when he actually gets on the court. And my one thought that I had with, with him starting was he's so calm like he he he's calm and he picks up his defensive assignments um i actually actually like the with him getting the chance to start and get used to playing with the starters and and picking up their game and having his strengths complement the rest of those guys on the court um i look at at this stage in in um Porter's career, I look at him more as a guy who can be a spark plug off of the bench, leading that second unit as a scorer and as a facilitator. Um, it's not that I, I don't think that he's a capable defender. I think that he's more than a capable defender. Like Porter has been a, a really good defender as he's been in the league, but I don't know how fully healthy he is. Um, I don't, and we really don't know if his body can hold up uh, playing starters minutes in that role throughout the whole entire year because we haven't seen a healthy auto porter at all. Uh, so I think it was, it was a, a good move moving the rookie into the um, starting lineup. The one thing that I will say is every single time that I saw Patrick Williams, I just kept getting more and more mad at Wendell Carter. I just, like, <laughs> like for a rookie to out, like you're a third year guy. For a rookie to come in and just thoroughly outplay you, and, you know, it, it, it really just kind of irked me. 
that's what I kept saying. I, I was happy to see Patrick Williams and seeing what he was able to do on the court, but I just kept getting more and more angry at, at Carter. So, <laughs> yeah, like you said, um, a lot of talk about P. Will was he was already NBA ready, yeah, especially with the defense. And you know, he has a shot, as you said, he, he's he's very calm out on the court, and because of that, you know, he's already being compared to uh, Kawhi Leonard when he first came into the league where he was, you know, more so that defensive guy and then his offensive game grew as he was in the league. And, I mean, I would love for Patrick Williams' trajectory to be uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that that would be incredible. Um, I don't know if he can possibly get there. Like, you know, Stars come out of out of nowhere many times. Like we saw with um, what well, was just taking um, taking that particular player, um, and uh, who of us thought that he would project to the type of player that he was he is today? Like like no one saw Kawhi like getting to this point in his career. I'm sure. Like, you know, some some guys would have thought he's going to be a lockdown defender, you know, maybe just a, a three and D type of player. But I, I don't think anybody really projected Kawhi getting to the point where he is at in his career right now. If if uh, P. Will gets there, I mean, I'm more than happy to take that any day. But um, it's it is it was refreshing to see him come in there you know, play his game and just be productive on the court. Like I never, at no point during the game did I think the moment was too much for him to handle. I definitely agree. Um, my thing with you know Otto, like you said, we have never seen a, a healthy Otto Porter Jr. So I, I get what you're saying about you know can his body even handle starters minutes. Um. I just thought, you know, usually guys in a contract year, you know, they want to go out and they want to prove, yo, somebody should sign me to a deal for a lot of money. And I don't know, is Otto just not have an ego to where that doesn't really matter to him? Well, I mean, I would would hope that that's the case. He did come out and say, like, whatever role that Donovan wants to put me in, if it's starting or if it's you know, playing, being the lead guy off the bench, like he was willing to to make that sacrifice, which is, it's, it is pretty rare you'd see something like that from a guy who's set to make, what, $27 million yeah. this year? So, yep. yeah, for him to take that mindset. But also, I think at this point in his career, he I don't necessarily think that he's setting himself up for the next big contract. Like, he's, he's made even in the short time that he's been in this league, he's made a good amount of money. Um, I know he, he, what is he, like 27, 28 years old? Not quite like 30 yet, but... Um, no, he he's in his 20s. Yeah, like in his late 20s. So um, I don't know if that's necessarily where his mindset is. Like, given the fact that People like Lou Kennard got the contract that they were <laughs> hand, like they were just handing out money uh, this offseason. I don't think that it's it's not a chance that Otto can't get another big time contract, but he's first got to prove that he can make it through a year without falling falling uh, down due to injury, like. He's got to prove that to folks before they're going to hand out another big contract. So I actually think that him coming off the bench would probably be within his best interest, like to increase his value. Yeah, and we all know that the bench uh, needs some scoring help. So I definitely like that move of Otto kind of being the lead guy off the bench. And now when we actually have guys like Staderansky and Temple and Denzel Valentine and Thad Young back where we actually can see like this bench unit that's supposed to be there. You know, maybe that'll give the Bulls a bit of a pickup when the starters go out. 
because you know Ryan Archie Diak, you know, can only do so much. I'll even throw um, Chandler Hutchinson's name in there. Like he's proven that, you know, he's healthy, and like he he has some of the most boneheaded plays sometimes. Like, <laughs> dude, you're six foot seven. Just just attack the rim. Don't like he he'll take these awkward. Um, these awkward position when he's going to the basket and I'm like, what is he doing? But at least he is trying to stick with what he knows is the best part of his game, which is trying to get to the basket, uh, trying to attack it and trying to get to the free throw line. But some, like sometimes I will, I will look at him. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Um <laughs> And, you know, it looked like in the preseason he developed a little bit of an outside, like an outside stroke. So I think he can also be a meaningful guy off the bench for this Bulls team as well. Yeah, um, his biggest issue is kind of like Otto, where we haven't really seen him healthy. He's got these injuries like every season. He's been out. Um, Hopefully he's healthy now and you know, he can contribute as somebody from off the bench. Um, the, the one thing I will yeah. say, just going back quickly uh, with uh, P. Williams, I think that his signing and what he's shown in the preseason and even with that, the game last night, I think you see a lot of guys who are like, oh, this rookie can come in and play. This rookie could be taking my job away from me. So I think it's put in a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a push for these guys to to make their imprint on the floor. Um, the wings, like all of a sudden now, the the Bulls have a, a whole bunch of wings, and there's not a, enough starting time to go around for everybody. But this kid is coming in and showing, hey, I can produce and produce at a pretty high level. I know it's just in one game, but we saw throughout the pre the uh, preseason games, what he's uh, capable of doing. It's also put a little bit of pressure on um, those bigs because um, with his body, he can guard that particular position. So I, I think you might start to see like Laurie trying to be a little bit more aggressive. I know Wendell is like, we don't have a whole bunch of centers on our team, but I think that it's, it's great for him to get a talent like him because it gives a little bit of a kick in the butt to those guys who are trying to earn minutes as well. Right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, that does put the pressure on. And, you know, Laurie has – he's supposed to be in, you know, God-improving mode now. So, you know, hopefully – the way Williams is playing is putting pressure on guys to play better, as you said. Um, like I said, Laurie looked pretty good last night where he says he wants to stay in Chicago and he's committed to the team. So we'll see if, you know, he that proves himself enough to where the Bulls go all out to re-sign him. Um, I mean, you were, you're coming on a Bulls team that won 22 games last season. So it's definitely big room for improvement. Um, but speaking on the 22 wins last season, do we win more than 22 this year? Yes. I think uh, with the coach, with just the coaching change, um, that should increase their win total by at least five games. Just, you know, having a competent team out there. I know it, they didn't show it on the floor uh, with the Hawks. And I do think a lot of those guys are probably just nervous. I don't think it has anything necessarily to do with um, ability. I think it's just, okay, you know, we got a little bit of a taste in the preseason, but we're still trying to to um, build on, on what they've had throughout the preseason and you know, um, just trying to understand what their roles are going to be on the team moving forward. I think you'll see like an uptick of at least five wins for them. And hopefully with uh, the improvement of 
Lori uh, with the improvement of actually having a wing position because like we remember like our wing player her starting wing player last year was Chris Dunn for an extended <laughs> stretch throughout the year and uh yeah that's that's not going to cut it like a 6-4 guy playing the wing position at all or just playing multiple positions really so uh right. you know hopefully the Bulls you know they they got rid of their athletic trainer so hopefully guys will be fresh going into games and you'll see an uptick in, in their capabilities as well. I definitely think, um, you know, with actually having a NBA competent head coach and Billy Donovan, who's the one at every level he's coached at. And, you know, it's, it's some talent on this team. It's enough talent to where they should definitely win more than 22 games. Um, Playoffs. Are we going to make the playoffs? Um, <laughs> uh, before, before you give the answer, I, I'm going to remind you that the structure is a bit different this year um, where there's a play-in tournament for the top. Was the the seven, eighth, ninth, and tenth record teams. Although play, so, um, I'm forgetting about that new format that they have. Um, I mean, so if they they're if they finish with the tenth best record in the East, there's still a shot for them to get in the playoffs if they can win, you know, one of the playing games. Okay, well let's let's do like we, we did this last year. Let's go down our list of teams <laughs> who are going to definitely be in the playoffs. Um, you got Boston. Well, we should put Miami ahead of Boston because they advanced further last year. So Miami, Boston, um, Philadelphia, those are my top three. Um, Brooklyn. Oh, I forgot about Brooklyn because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, you didn't see anything from Brooklyn. Uh, we sure sh- saw a lot um, that first game that they played. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> then, you know, just based off of experience, I can't quite put Brooklyn – there at the number one spot because you know you're just adding KD and and um oh Kyrie yeah you're just adding KD and Kyrie for the first time and they were playing against a team that's not very good right now like the Golden State Warriors are horrible offensively and they're even worse defensively so I, I don't know how much stock I can put into that. Even even with uh, Durant, Durant didn't really have a, a good game. It was an okay game, but um, so I don't know if I'm going to put the Nets ahead of both Miami and Boston right now. Um, I, w- I would have to say that just by adding those two, maybe they're in the three or the four spot. Is that better? Uh, that works. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got those four teams. Um, you got Toronto. That's number five. Um, number six. Having a, an elderly moment, right? Um, you got go with Philly. And we said Philly. Oh, we already said yeah. Philly. So we got we've got Boston. We've got Miami. The Bucks. The Nets. Oh yeah, the Bucks. The Nets. Um yeah, I'm 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 forgetting about these teams because like really the Bucks were a big disappointment in the bubble, to say the <laughs> least, because they, they didn't uh, advance very far. But yeah, you're gonna have the Bucks somewhere in there vying for the one or two spot. So okay, so you have the, the you have Miami, you have Boston, you have the Bucks. You have the Nets, you have Philadelphia, and Toronto. So that's six spots right there. So seven and eight. Well, seven, probably Orlando, and eight probably would be Indiana. All right. So we need nine and (laughs) ten that are going to make those, that's going to make the players. It doesn't leave a lot of room for 
<laughs> it leaves yeah. the Bulls, it leaves the Hornets, the Knicks, the Wizards, and the Pistons and Cavaliers. I don't expect the, the Wizards to really like I know they added um they added uh what's his face? Uh, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I say what's his, his face, face because I'm I'm like, you know, so many of these guys, like they're big names, but they, they didn't advance very as far as we wanted them or thought they would do in the bubble. Uh, so yeah, Washington and Bradley Beal, like I don't know. At, what's the uh, the over under amount of games that you think be- before those guys become combustible with each other? <laughs> what, um, thirty games? I, I'll say fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> fifteen. Not even giving them thirty. Okay, so fifteen games. 15. Yeah. So I don't know what to think of that lineup. Um, and. You know, you have those two talents that, that those are, are big talents that you have on the team. But then who do you have at the small forward position? Who do you have at the center position? Uh, Ru Hachimura. I thought he was their, pa- their mm. power forward. He may be. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's good. You know, I, big, yeah. I was a big fan of Hachimura when he was in college. And uh, I was something somewhat wishing or hoping in some way that maybe he would fall to the Bulls at some point. Um, but, yeah, you have Washington, you have Charlotte. Charlotte's going to be a disaster. <laughs> With Lamelo. Uh, yeah, he plays absolutely And um, Hayward. Hayward is not going to be a um, not going to be a big time player. Let's just say it like that. And Lamelo scored like zero points last night. And like that's the first time that they said that a draft pick, a pick drafted in the first round. I think they were saying that they debuted and scored zero points. So, you know, that's that's pretty telling. Um, so yeah, you got Charlotte, and I can't really see anybody else. Oh, yeah, we didn't really the Knicks we didn't are throw Atlanta the Knicks. in there. Oh yeah, Atlanta. Uh, who demolished us last night? But them shooting like last night is probably not going to happen no. very much. So I mean, the Bulls, I think, have a shot to make the play-in and sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's from my stand standpoint, it's like it's like uh, maybe a ten percent chance of them doing that. <laughs> from what I saw on this roster so far, like like they they need they the team needs to play with confidence. It's a young team; they need to play with confidence. You go out there and you're confident, then you'll be fine. It's just like from that Atlanta uh, game; those players are not that as good as the numbers that they put up. It's just that they looked at the other team; they saw, okay, who's guarding me, and they actually had a pretty good night. I, you played ball before, I'm sure. And, yeah. you know, you go out there, you look across at the guy, the other guy who's checking you, and you're like, okay, I can have a pretty good game with him. <laughs> and you put up some points. You might not be the best player, you know, on the team, but you still put up some points. Why? Because you think you can score on that guy. So, you know, I don't necessarily – like, people have, have put Atlanta – as a team to worry about because of the names that they added to their team, I still don't think that they're a playoff team, in my opinion. So. Right. Well, we got plenty of season to see what the Bulls are going to turn out to be. You know, 71 more games left <laughs> uh, for Billy Donovan to, you know, see if he can push the Bulls into a playoff position. Like I said, we still haven't seen Staderansky, Temple, Valentine, Thad Young out there. So, really can't judge the Bulls off one game yet too early. But, man, we're going to hope for the best. Is that going to be our, our motto for the year? Hope for the best? <laughs> I mean, 
it's it's kind of a it's we're kind of in a win-win situation here. You know, we're we're trying to see what we have with the players that's on this team, who's gonna, you know, be kept around because, you know, we do have money next off season where we might try to trade away some contracts. Um you know, try to sign somebody of like a star level player. And, you know, if if everything goes down the crapper, uh we're you know, we add another <laughs> uh lottery pick to this team and, you know, just hope for the <laughs> best. So I guess that is the motto. Hey, I've come down to that point where like what what can we send to OKC to get a draft pick? <laughs> like we'll we'll send you Wendell and Felicio before <laughs> Felicio is on the last year of his deal, so you know that's an expiring contract that maybe is you know enticing him during the trade deadline <laughs> yeah maybe i you never know and plus i mean i'm i'm not like i i want the bulls to succeed this year i've obviously every bulls fan wants them to but at the same time um this draft class while i don't agree that it's as weak as people have said next year is supposed to be much much deeper so yeah if the bulls can trade off some parts for some draft picks, some first-round draft picks. Like, hey, I'm all in for that. Uh, yeah, and uh, AK, we trust here. <laughs> well, so, I'm already impressed you know, we'll by see. the picks that he made with with William. So. Right. Yeah, so I guess hope for the best, Bulls fans. <laughs> hope for the best, prepare for the worst. That's the new model. <laughs> 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 that sounds good to me. Um, you know, thank you for listening to our first episode. Um, you know, want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Justin, want to uh, give any last thoughts and tell the people where they can follow you at? Um, just that I, I hope everybody enjoys their break and uh, they can follow me at uh, He Said What Sports. Again, I'm Derek. You can follow me on Twitter at Young Jordan, and you can follow the pod's Twitter at Bull Nothing N O T H I N. And uh, just stick with us. We'll be doing this throughout the season, and this is the only podcast where you know we ain't talking about nothing but bull. Until next time. Until next time. Tennis game over. The horn blows. Oh.